Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. Renaissance Executive Forums brings together top executives from non-competing companies into an advisory board process through which thousands of leaders gain fresh ideas and new insights. It's great pleasure for me today to speak with our featured guest. Our featured guest is Patrick Denninger, and Patrick is the president of Absorption Incorporated. Patrick, welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Oh, thank you for having me. Let's begin very simply by asking you to explain to our audience what it is your firm does. What is Absorption Systems Incorporated all about? We, we are a, uh, what they call a preclinical uh, contract research organization. So we provide research services to the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry. Um, in, in particular, we, we work and provide support and services to the um, early stages of drug discovery. Give us a, a little more non-technical understanding for what it is your firm does, please. Okay. The, um, uh, the, the specifics of or uh, a little more detail. In, in the process of developing a drug, we have to make sure that um, the drug is going after, that the molecule you're going to give a human um, enters the body, uh, does its job, and then leaves the body. And we look at the, the, the process by which a drug can get into your, into your, into your body. So whether you swallow a, um, a tablet or you apply a cream, somehow it has to get into the bloodstream. And we look at that process. And we do it before um, it's, it goes into man. So what we try to do is help predict the outcomes of how much drug gets in, the extent of the drug that gets in, and then how your body gets rid of it. And we do this with a lot of what they call cell culture. Is that we work in tissue hoods and laboratories, and we can use tests that help us predict the outcome before a man uh, before it goes into a clinical testing um, in the man. I hope that you know clarified a little bit of what we do. Yeah, it did. Thank you for giving me a second level uh, information that that was helpful. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Patrick, then. Uh, what was your path to absorption systems? Um, my, my background, I have a, a bachelor's degree in, in science, and uh, after graduating, I, I went into the um, research side of, um, of the business. So I was a bench scientist for a number of years, and um, during that time, I realized I sort of wanted to be more on the business side. So I got into, I took a couple of business roles, and more um, sales and licensing and business development for uh, various small companies, mostly startup companies. So I was um, usually familiar with companies that were cash-strapped and needed to, you know, um, achieve some financial goals pretty quickly. So there was always sort of an urgency in, in how we approached work. Um, the idea of starting this company uh, came about when, one, I was unemployed, uh, two, when uh, in prior jobs I had seen uh, sort of a need for this type of service that we offer, and that was is that companies, pharmaceutical companies, were struggling with how to better predict what a molecule do when it goes into man. I met my business partner, who is a uh, sort of a world-renowned expert in some of the cell culture that helps us make this prediction. And when we met, it was pretty clear that his science background and uh, my background in business and marketing 
uh, would be a nice fit, and we could actually sell this as a service to pharmaceutical companies, and that's how we got started. And when was that? That was in 1996. Uh, so we've been at this uh, for about 16 years. God, that seems like a long time now that I think about it. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I, no, that's I mean, all right. That's all right. Okay. Uh, is your field an emerging field? Did you bring a company into a mature market? Help our budding entrepreneurs that may be listening to the program today or in the future as a podcast appreciate kind of how you st- what, what the marketplace was like that you had stepped into when you brought absorption systems into being. Sure. Um, at the time, this was in the in the, in the mid nineties. Um, One of the things that's happening in the pharmaceutical industry today is it's going through a a really uh, an unprecedented change. And and the change they're facing is that it's getting harder and harder to launch new drugs. In 1996, um, it was becoming apparent that there were certain things in the drug discovery process, the process by which, you know, we do research on a new molecule and bring it to market, that had to be accelerated. At that time, it took about 12 years and anywhere from 700 to a billion dollars to make a new drug. What we saw is, is that in this, before the molecule can go in demand, there's six or seven years of, of what they call preclinical testing before you put it in demand. And what they were, what they had discovered at the time we started the company or what the trend was is that about almost 40% of the drugs were failing when they first went in demand because of these properties of not understanding how the drug got into the body and how your body got rid of it. And we'll call those, for the sake of this discussion, pharmacokinetic parameters. 40% of the drugs failed at that point for those reasons. So we actually uh, had technology that would help better understand these pharmacokinetic parameters so at the time, we were meeting the need we were setting up a company to solve, the, the unmet need or the, the, the need that the company or the, the industry needs to optimize, was to better predict these, these pharmacokinetic parameters. So at that time, um, these, these cell-based systems that we were working with, that we were working in, in, in the laboratory with, had not been fully adapted by the industry universities were, were uncovering the value of these systems, but no one had put together a contract lab, this, this independent lab where compounds could be sent, experiments could be run, and data given back. At, at the same time, my business partner, his name is Ismail Hidalgo, had characterized when he was at the University of Kansas a particular cell line that is now an industry standard for predicting drug absorption. So these cell lines that we introduced to the industry, although you know relatively new, was satisfying this unmet need. So that's what we did. We put together the company. We were going after the market of helping predict companies to decrease the failures in the clinic. And, boy, 16 years later now, the failure in the clinic for these pharmacokinetic parameters is dropped down to probably less than three or four percent. The industry as a whole has embraced a lot of this testing that we offer, and and to let you know, 
other companies have adapted it and incorporated it into either within their shops or other contract labs have emerged. But we rode the wave of this change, and that's probably uh, the timing of it, although we didn't know it at the time how significant it was, the timing was right. We just didn't know it at the time. It certainly sounds like it. That's. I'm glad I asked because that's, that's an ins- instructional story for others and also kind of an encouraging story for other entrepreneurs to listen to. I, I, I have a, several other questions that I'd like to get to during our interview today, Patrick, if that's okay with you. We're going to take sure. a short time out, uh, hear some words, spend a little bit of time with our sponsors, and then when we come back, I'm going to ask you about what we call here on the Critical Mass Radio Show is your guiding principle. You know, think of that as your overarching business belief system about how you approach leading and growing your firm. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Patrick will be back to share his guiding principle with you as well as answers to other questions that we have planned for him today here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. But first, here's a couple words from our sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Math for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This show is just one in a series of Critical Mass radio shows. On Tuesday, we bring interesting interviews with California business leaders on Critical Mass radio show. This show is in its fourth year and can be heard live at 4 p.m. On Wednesdays, we feature nonprofit organizations and their leaders from around Southern California. If you're interested in understanding the mission, the vision, and the purpose for these organizations, this is a great opportunity for you to get weekly an update on 
many of the organizations that are operating here in our community and serving the need. This show on Thursday is Critical Mass Coast to Coast. It's our nationally syndicated radio show in partnership with Renaissance Executive Forums, where I interview thought leaders, business executives from across the country. All shows can be heard live on internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, or the other podcasting services that we use. All shows can be found also from our website at www criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Okay, it gives me great pleasure to get back to our guest, Patrick Denninger, who is the president of Absorption Systems Incorporated. Before the break, Patrick, we said we're going to ask you to share a bit about your guiding principle, if you would be so kind. Okay, I'll try to do my best. The, um, I think the overriding guiding principle that we've operated here in the company is, is um, and, and this is shared between um, Ismail, uh, my partner, and myself, is that we be very good at what we do. And uh, that may sound a little uh, sort of simple, but it, it, in our field of sort of pharmaceutical research, our, our daily business is spent dealing with biological systems that um, uh, are, are unpredictable and very difficult to understand. And the commitment to be very good and disciplined uh, with rigor and control is something we committed to at the very beginning of this, uh, of this endeavor we took. There are two approaches to, um, that we encounter in our business, and a lot of it has to do with, with a lot of pressure of people developing drugs over you know extended period of time and the cost it takes to develop them. There's tremendous price pressure um, to, to streamline and make things as simple and easy as possible. The problem is in, in understanding a biological system is it's not always so easy. So industrializing it, uh, increasing throughput, turning data around faster comes at a cost as opposed to the more methodical, detailed analysis of it. And those are two components that we face with every day, is what someone can afford to pay for the work and the other aspect of it is what we will accept to do on a contract basis. Our underlying philosophy has been to be extremely committed to the science, but sort of not compromise on what we would consider as producing data we can't interpret. And with pricing pressures, a lot of times companies are faced to get by with as little as possible We've chosen sort of not to go that route. We've gone the route of more of problem-solving and, and more detailed, reproducible production of data. And I think that that has helped us uh, from the beginning, and it certainly helped us during this economic downtime where companies are, you know, really uh, in, a, in a tough situation where maybe revenues are down and you rely on reputation and brand. And during this time, it's actually been this economic downturn for the last four years. Business has been actually pretty good for us. And I think it was because of a commitment to, um, you know, establishing a certain quality you're going to assign behind the work you do and then charging a, a price where you can make money at it. Fortunately, we were in business long enough, I think, before the recession hit, that it was able to carry us through it through somewhat of a brand and reputation. I hope that answered your question. Uh, yes, it did. It is um, 
important. I love to ask the guiding principle question because we get such a variety of answers. We get, we've been given such a variety of answers. We actually wrote a book of, of a compilation of, of some of the answers that we had gotten because they were so diverse and interesting. And um, what we have found consistently is the guiding principle is probably seen, is either tested the most or its value is revealed the most during difficult or challenging times when if you didn't have it, you'd realize it, it would have been a, it would have been tougher to get through those times. And that certainly sounds like it benefited you to get through what has been the worst recession in our professional lives. No, that, that's, that's absolutely true. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. I'm going to go on a tangent here just because I'm curious and I have you with industry knowledge. I have to ask from, from your strategic planning, and I'm not asking for anything that's confidential, but as you and your partner and the executives in the firm, as you look to map out the future growth and, and, and viability, if you will, for the company moving forward, how much, if any, do you factor in the Affordable Care Act, the, the change, the sea change that appears to be coming in the way you know healthcare is being kind of delivered and 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 handled here in the United States. Does that, because of your relationship to the industry, does that have an impact on how you're planning for your business, or is it a non-factor? Uh, it's a factor because it affects the, the uh, it's sort of a secondary, uh, you know, we're, we're a byproduct or we'll be affected by how the pharma industry is affected by it. Um, how a Merck or a Pfizer or a Johnson and Johnson or GSK respond to that um, will then obviously have an impact on us directly. It's an indirect impact. Um, it will also have an impact on the smaller companies, where if if it does take um, the, either the regulations or reimbursement is in question, it makes it a little more difficult for how these companies plan to launch new products into a space which obviously results into their impact on what they are looking at revenues and how much they'll spend on R&D. It's an indirect effect on us. Um, it isn't so much direct. Now, I should tell you, we also do work in, in other areas, like in medical device, and there's currently down um, at the Fed um, an initiative um, that is launched that they're putting a sales tax on medical device uh, revenues. That has a direct impact because it is affecting um, how much money these medical device companies spend on developing a new tool. So clearly, um, in, on, the, on the pharmaceutical side, it will be a trickle-down effect, but we're really going to have to wait and see how it impacts our pharma companies. Like I said, us directly know through them absolutely yeah. So talk to us about a current challenge that's facing the firm, the ideas and strategies that you have to mitigate that challenge from affecting your long-term performance. Give us a sense for kind of what's on the plate today for you and your firm. Okay. Well, one of the bigger challenges is, as I said, that the, um, the actual business model of the large pharmaceutical companies is, is changing. They're evolving, and they're evolving because of the nature of the environment. They're not launching drugs. Uh, fast enough to meet the, the demands of growth that their you know, investors need. That's actually having a fairly large ripple on the industry because they're going through a lot of reorganizations. There's consolidation going on. Well, those are the research dollars that 
that are being challenged now and that they're spending, you know, that they're not spending on a lot of programs that they've shut down. In addition to this, this current economic environment, the venture capital community has really decreased their investment because, one, they've got to get their money out of the current companies that it's tied up in. But number two, it's, it's, it's a risky environment for them right now. So we've seen a tremendous drop in VC investment, and, and those are a lot of our clients are the smaller clients who don't have the internal infrastructure that we possess. Those are two challenges. The, the, the third big one that we're faced with, too, is the emergence of the Asian markets and the low-cost labor that introduced uh, to basically the pharma industry. And we're dealing with that right now in the sense that price pressure uh, in the last three to four years has been tremendous. How we're combating that and what we're doing is, is, is sort of those seem rather daunting issues. There is a trend that, is, that, that we believe is going to happen, and that is, is that the pharma companies that once did a lot of this work internally, in the future will probably be sending more and more of their work out. So they'll be outsourcing more, which would benefit companies like us. The other thing that has happened is, is that the companies that have outsourced into the Asian markets because of their low cost have begun to understand what works and what doesn't when they outsource to those countries. And a bit of work has come back. So they're learning what they can do and what they can't do. Those have all been silver linings. But the probably the most underlying um, sort of principle that we that, that will take us forward is the development of new models, new technologies, and we spend a lot of money developing new models to provide to the industry. And that's probably where we're most optimistic, because the technological advances aren't really affected by a global economy. Those the the the, the globalization of a lot of our market, oftentimes. Uh, especially competition from abroad, is more in what we call the commodity-type services. The novel, niche, custom services will still remain, and that will be a differentiator. And that's what we've built on from the beginning, so it's something we know. And it probably explains why our current situation has been relatively strong during all this noise. Um, That will maintain. And and I, I think it's probably what we do best is this applied research, the development of new test systems, novel test systems that help better predict what would happen in a man. Patrick, that was a very thoughtful discussion, and and I really appreciate the level of challenges you're willing to share with our audience and and what you're doing about it. And as I was listening to your uh, discussion of offshoring, the thought went through my head more than one time. I could be talking to the president and founder of a of a manufacturing company. I mean, the the things that you're seeing relative to offshoring and business coming back and finding your place in the uh, global ecosystem, if you will, your niche that you can satisfy your customers. It it's not unique necessarily to your. The things you're doing are unique to your industry, but they're not unique to the larger macroeconomic trends of being in a global marketplace. So I I love that here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast when others can learn in different industries from the experiences and examples of people that we interview. And I think you gave the audience a good sense for what others might be seeing and how they might be able to carve out their place in a global marketplace. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I agree with everything you just said, that we are not, this industry is not unique and we are not unique. The, the, the challenge is, but it is carving out your niche in a global um, marketplace. And, and one thing to put in context to, to this, uh, as a little example, we do certain types of testing that get submitted to the FDA. And we're unique in doing this. We're unique in the, in the globe in doing this. India outsources to us because of this testing. So while most people have a perception that a lot of stuff may be going overseas, it is coming in this direction too. And the reason it does is because you, you establish certain niches, you're very good at it, people will come knocking at your door. And that's, that's a principle. But I think that's true in all the industries, as you mentioned, that it, it, it is a universal problem, but it's also it's an opportunity too. And it's just the way the world is today. Yeah, you know, the pendulum swung hard one way, and now it's it's finding its equilibrium. And um, I'm very encouraged because more and more guests on one of the shows that we do here who has been affected by globalization is also seeing some repatriation and an understanding and almost a confidence that, you know what, everything's not going offshore. As a matter of fact, some things are actually coming back because firms are smart enough to realize uh, work is better done in a different place, even if that place has a higher cost basis because of the nature of the work that needs to be done. That's Absolutely. fantastic. I'm old enough to remember when we were very worried that Japan would be taking over our entire auto industry and that we had lost our way, and uh, you might remember that as well. Yep. And, and what happened was there was an equal and opposite reaction in many ways from the American manufacturers, and now we have globally much better cars because of the pain that we kind of had to go through in the 70s. But nonetheless, I digress. We're going to take our second and final sponsorship commercial break here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about the future. So dust off the crystal ball while you're waiting for us, Patrick, because what I would like to know is what's your vision for growth for absorption systems when we have you back on the program at some point in the future? What's going to be different, and how do you see the future playing out for your company? So, ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to miss that conversation with our thoughtful guest, Patrick Deniger. But first, we're going to take a short commercial timeout. We'll be back. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit him online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. 
It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you've not seen an episode of Critical Mass TV show, please go to our website, www.criticalmass4forbusiness.com, where you'll find a link to all of our show archives. It's in our media section of our website. All right, let's return to Patrick. And Patrick, final, get, uh, final question for you today here on Coast to Coast. Talk to us about the future of a Absorption Systems Incorporated. Um, we're, so the future that, that we see is actually, uh, and, and maybe contrary to what a lot of people out there seem, we're very bullish. We're extremely optimistic on where our industry is going. Um, not that it's going to be comfortable for a lot of people, but the shift in how pharmaceutical research is done is occurring right in front of our eyes. And the the... the the transition that is occurring is is that the larger players in our space are downsizing, and they're they're relying less on internal research and more on external research. And because of that, in our position, the world of pharmaceutical research won't be done behind the walls of a giant corporation in the future. It'll be done spread out over probably a whole slew of very niche providers that through communication techniques and project management, drugs will be discovered that way. And in fact, a lot are today. It'll just be furthered that way. That's number one. That's sort of the business aspect of the economics of the industry. The, the scientific side is, is probably even more exciting. And that, that is, is that in our space, the ability to work with human cells and understand what they're telling us it's actually very exciting. This is in conjunction with with mapping of the human genome. Um, think terms they use like personalized medicine. That is, is that we look at a genetic makeup of an individual and find out what therapy will ultimately be best for that individual. Um, these are all exciting areas, and we're sort of in the thick of that. So a lot of the work we're doing right now is research that when we do work at the bench, working with human cells, we can actually do certain types of tests that eliminate the need for human testing. And this is somewhat unprecedented. It's something that the FDA initiated probably about 10 years ago. But we're expanding upon that, and that's actually the direction of where the industry is going. So from a scientific perspective, there's just some fantastic work being done out there. Unfortunately, in the current economic time, it's probably not happening as fast as we'd like or as, as hope, but the direction is absolutely right. And so to answer your question, we are very bullish in this space. Um, I think where we'll really see some improvements is when the economy does turn around, the, the nature of how pharmaceutical companies are structured and actually how research is done 
will probably be in a necessary different place, but in a much better place. Interesting, because we've had other guests in in this arena, not in doing what you're doing, but I'll say in healthcare, cancer research, etc. And it seems to me that through technology and advancements, in a variety of ways, we're on a precipice of some pretty rapid and radical innovation and change that's coming through our mapping of the human genome, etc. It's it's exciting times uh, to be alive, and it's exciting times to talk with business leaders like you who are closer to it, who are kind of seeing it manifest itself before the general marketplace does. Yep, absolutely. So, but along with the change comes a high requirement for the leaders to sort of foretell the future and make the right decisions today that will position you when there are so many potential unknowns as well, right? It's not going to be the way it was when you started it, and it's certainly not going to be the way it was it is today 10 years down the road. That's absolutely right. And, and you know, for the listening audience, uh, from someone like myself who comes, the glass is always half full. So we sort of embrace that and are not intimidated by it and encourage people not to be intimidated either. It's just something that you embrace and you work with it. And it's, but that's where the discoveries come from. So it's, it, it is a good time. Um, it, it, it is a good time. We just would like to think that the overall economy uh, picks up here in some way, shape, or form. Um, but it's still a very good time to be in our industry. And if someone would like to learn more about your firm online, how do they find you? What's your website? The website is absorption.com. A-B-S-O-R-P is in Peter, T-I-O-N.com. We're very easy to find. Patrick, I'm so glad that Ken Wax, our producer and Renaissance Executive Forums business owner in Philadelphia, brought to you brought you to our attention. It's been an interesting interview. I've learned from your conversation, and thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Renaissance Executive Forums business community. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed our show today and the interview and ideas and the way Patrick is looking not only at the near term but the strategic implications of factors inside and outside of his industry to make sure that his business stays relevant, I would have to say is only part of the reason why he's been as successful as he and his partner have been and the reason that they are still in business today. It's a requirement in any industry, not just in the healthcare. Uh, we always like to try to bring new ideas and insights, and we believe that you can learn from the experiences of your peers to help you make better decisions. The show today was brought to you by Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. If you'd like to learn more about Executive Forums, please check out their website, executiveforums.com. Producing our show today was Paul Roberts. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. And our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. And until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast right here on octalkradio.net.